building entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Another exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, and along me, as always, is my co-host, the irascible Rob Kelly. Rob, I just got to tell you one thing, buddy: the heat is on. <laughs> That's what I was going to do, but you beat me to it. I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm glad you did it first. It's only appropriate. <laughs> so excited about this episode. Uh, it just kind of came to us in a whirlwind. We're like, you know what? We haven't really spent any time talking about the Justice League action cartoon on this show. And why not? What, what's our problem? I mean, the fact is Firestorm is a television star on two shows right now. He's on Legends of Tomorrow, and he's also on Justice League action. And I, honestly, I think it's on me because I – didn't spend a lot of time diving into the show. I'd watched an episode or two, and I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. But then I just thought, I don't, um, I don't know how to see it. I, I don't watch TV often enough. I don't DVR or anything. And then I found out it's on demand through my my service, and we'll talk about all that in a bit. But so now I have been like mainlining Justice League action over the last couple of weeks with my daughter, and we are loving it. And Firestorm is so much freaking fun in this cartoon that we just had to take some time to talk about it. So we're going to pick, uh, I think, four episodes to talk about today is that right i think three and a change sort of yeah three and some change there we fair enough and we are going to have an awesome time i can't wait now before we get started two things one i want to put a special thank you to our buddy little russell burbage he was kind enough to help me finally secure my 12 inch firestorm from justice League unlimited action figure he is an enormous 12 inches tall he's first did you just call firestorm. it justice league unlimited I might have. It's I think quite you just possible. Did Justice League Unlimited. Oh, you mean Justice League geez. Action? Yes, Justice League Action. I uh, I love this thing. This is fantastic. I mean, to hold a Firestorm doll this 12 inches tall, this is amazing. You know what I want to do? I'm going to go into the bed and dig out. I have these giant Tupperware bins in there full of action figures. I'm going to dig out my old 12 inch Aquaman, uh, as you called him, bedraggled Aquaman, mm-hmm. with the long hair and the hook and all that. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. make him. I'm going to make him fight. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves to lose. Oh, 
I'm so excited about this. It's kind of funny, though. I was talking to my daughter about it, and she's like, Daddy, why is it the flame on his head? It's not very high. It's actually kind of flat. It only goes up a little bit and then kind of goes out. She's like, Daddy, why isn't the flame on his hair? It doesn't go like up in the pictures. It doesn't go up. It goes sideways. And I figured it out. I was like, honey, that's so he can fit in the packaging. <laughs> he has to fit in the same box. They fit Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and all the other figures in there. And they all fit a certain size. And in order for him to fit the package, they kind of had to flat off his hair. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly but it. He's still cute. <laughs> yeah, I have no doubt. Uh, but you can find them. In fact, our buddy uh, uh, Travis Fowler just sent us a picture of a row of them in his Walmart. So definitely find these figures out there, folks. It's so awesome. Um, so besides thanking little Russell Burbage for kind enough to purchase it and send it to me and let me pay him back for it. Uh, we also need to take a second to thank our sponsor. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What you got, Rob? Well, I always thought uh, I thought it was appropriate to plug something related to the, the antecedent to Justice League action, which is, of course, Justice League Unlimited. So in this case, I have Justice League Unlimited Heroes trade paperback. This reprints issues 23 through 29 of the DC Cartoon Network's uh, series. Uh, the writers are Mike McAvenny, Adam Beechin, Bill Williams, various different artists. And uh, issues 23 through 29 uh, feature uh, the Royal Flush Gang. There's an issue devoted to the Martian Manhunter. There is an Aquaman-specific issue where he takes on Black mm. Manna, which is great. There's one for, with Black Landing and Parasite. There's a Christmas issue featuring the Phantom Stranger. Uh, and plus one with Superman versus uh, Gorilla Grodd. So super fun comics. Some of them are even drawn by Ty Templeton, who we all love here. So uh, it's a really cool book. Just Like Limited was a, was a great series. Page count 144. Normal price twelve ninety nine. In stock trades price seven dollars and fifty three cents. That's forty two percent off. Great deal for a great bunch of fun comics. Keep your credit card out, folks, because I got another one for you. Justice League Unlimited ties that bind trade paperback. Along the same lines, I picked out one. I picked out this one specifically because it covers Justice League Unlimited number 16 through 22, and issue number 16 is a Christmas-themed issue and Firestorm's in it. Even though he never appeared in the Justice League Unlimited cartoon, he did appear in some of the comic books. In fact, the cover's great. It has all these characters together celebrating Christmas, and his Firestorm wearing a Santa hat, and his hair is burning through the Santa hat. It's pretty darn funny. Uh, but a Similarly, 144 pages. You can get it uh, for normally retails $12.99. You can get it 42% off for $7.53. Same kind of writers and artists. Uh, this one includes Rich Burchett as an artist as well, though. And uh, super fun. The great, great comic for a great, great series. And it's sort of a companion piece because, you know, I kind of feel like Justice League action is like, and I'm stealing this from someone else. Someone else said this, and I forget who it is, and I sincerely apologize for not giving you credit. A friend of mine told me it is like the illegitimate love child of Justice League uh, Unlimited and the Batman Brave and the Bull cartoon. I can see so that. It's, uh, it's kind of... Yeah, it's kind of the successor. So, folks, uh, for these and all your other trade paperwork needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. Go up to the Contact Us button and let them know that the Fire and Water podcast sent you. Oof. All right. The heat is on! Um, <laughs> I can't believe that ridiculous catchphrase. And it's, well, we'll talk about this, I guess. But it's like, it's purposely supposed to be ridiculous. But it works! It works so well. It's so much fun. It works on multiple <sighs> levels. All right, so... It really does. It really does. So I, I don't really have a uh, an agenda here other than us just to talk about the four stories. But just in general, I mean, uh, if you haven't watched Justice League Action, folks, it is uh, it's an interesting format. They're eleven minutes long, so you can get two. Like if they were to air it on TV as a half hour block, you could get two episodes per block. I've never actually seen it on television aired. I assume it airs that way, but I don't really know because the way I now watch it is uh, I don't have cable. 
I do have Sling, though, which is this service I pay 20 bucks a month, and I get all kinds. And if you have Sling, be aware of this. I, I can watch all kinds of – a number of cable channels, including Cartoon Network, and they have a number of on-demand stuff. The whole Justice League action cartoon is there for me to watch on demand through Sling, which is fantastic. If you have a – if, you, uh, if you're a subscribed to cable and you have Cartoon Network and you're like, oh, darn it, I missed an episode, you can actually log in, get download the Cartoon Network app to your phone or tablet or whatever, and you can log in with your credentials for your cable company, whether it's the Dish Network or Comcast or whatever. You log in through your credentials there, and you can watch any of those episodes as well because it shows that the cave they verify with the cable company that you have cartoon network so there's lots of ways to watch there's also um rob how did you get to them i rent them on itunes they're available on itunes i i this was a show i wanted to watch the show and i just sort of i don't know i was like oh i don't know how to see it because i don't have cable either and then when we decided to do this episode i was like well how can i actually get this and then they say you can rent them for 99 cents on itunes so that's that's easy enough a buck that's not bad at all yeah and another option is if you want to go and just buy the DVD if you're a physical media person. Just recently, uh, within the last month or so, uh, the Justice League Action Season 1 Part 1, I guess is whatever it is, or something like that. I don't know how many episodes are on it. There's like 50 altogether. But uh, one of the DVDs just came out, and it's only 13 bucks. So you can get a ton of these things for 13 bucks in the store. So there's a bunch of ways to watch this show legally. I highly recommend you take advantage of those. And check it out. It's so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Um, so let's talk about – because we're primarily here to talk about Firestorm. And Firestorm has been the focus of many episodes. If you want to catch all of the Firestorm-themed episodes, go out to either Firestorm Fan on Facebook or go out to Firestorm Fan on Twitter. The pinned post at the top of both of those pages is uh, basically a list of all the Firestorm-centric episodes of Just League Action. So there you can get your whole list right there. You can check them all out, and you won't miss any of the fun. Now let's talk about the cast a little bit here. Uh, you're going to have to help me out here because you know me. I live in a hole. Uh, you always tell me I, don't, I should get out of my house and look around the world. Well, I know who the actors' names are. So I, I don't have any idea where they're from. So PJ Byrne plays Ronnie Raymond or the body of Firestorm. Please tell the people at home what he's famous for. The only thing I've, I'm really familiar with is credit. He was on the HBO miniseries Big Little Lies, which just won some Emmy Awards a couple of weeks ago. That was the sort of mystery drama with uh, Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman and a bunch of other really cool people. It was a really great miniseries. He was the... Uh, principal of the school that a bunch all the uh, the little kids attend, and it's kind of funny because on that show he's kind of like this ineffectual nebbish kind of guy, and yet here hmm. he's playing Ronnie Raven, who was of course we're supposed to know like a big jock, meathead kind of guy. So that's that sort of funny cast. Plus he's a lot older than Ronnie Raymond, but uh, yeah, no, I, I actually think he does a really good job as as uh, the one half of Firestorm. Yeah, I don't think of him as a meathead in this. I think of him as the teenager who's just got a huge chip on his shoulder right? and is so cocky. And there's a lot of personality quirks, and we'll go through some of them as we talk about this, that is exactly like a teenager. Having an 18-year-old stepson myself, believe me, I can tell you, he's, he really captured it quite well. But yeah, he sounds youthful. He's got that amazing enthusiasm. I mean, I'll, I'll put it out there, folks. As far as I'm concerned, outside of the early issues with Jerry Conway and Pat Broderick, this is the single best – uh, version of Firestorm, the, the the most accurate capture of the essence of the way I imagine Firestorm outside of those first early comics, period. I think it's fantastic. It beats everything else I've seen. It beats Super Friends. It beats Batman Brave and the Bold. Uh, I'm forgetting other stuff. It, Legends Tomorrow. This is the way Firestorm should be portrayed, and it's hysterical, and I love it. I'm so in, in love with this. 
Now, of course, we can't talk about Firestorm uh, and Ronnie Raymond without talking about his other half, Professor Martin Stein, being played by Stephen Toblowski. Now, him, I do recognize. I can't place where I know him from, but I know him from a million bit parts, I think, is where I know him from. Can I you would, help me out here? Yeah, I mean, his arguably his most famous role is uh, of was Ned, Ned Bryerson, the annoying insurance guy from Groundhog Day. He's the one that's always running up to Bill Murray going, Ned, Ned Bryerson, and eventually gets to the point where Bill Murray just decks him. Uh, at one point, and then you know, of course, in that movie, he's got all the different realities. And there's one point where he like Bill Murray puts the moves on Ned, where he's like, "Can, can we meet in a hotel and stuff like that?" Because he, he wants to throw Ned Barrison off. But I mean, the guy's been in everything. He's been on Community. He's been on. He's on the Netflix's uh, One Day at a Time show, the reboot of that. And he's been mm-hmm. in. He was in the movie Sneakers with Dan Aykroyd and Robert Redford, which is like one of my kind of like favorite. Not, I don't say guilty pleasure movies, but it's it's a movie uh, not a lot of people really love, but I like him in that. So he's just been in in everything, and and he's gr- I I love him as Martin Stein. I think he's perfect. Oh, he's great. In the minute I saw his picture, I was like, oh, that guy, that guy, that guy. Yep. So oh, so good. Well, why don't we why don't we dive into the first episode here because this is the first one to feature Firestorm. It really tells his origin, and this is a good one to kind of start our discussion. So I'm going to do a quick recap here, and I want to give props out here. I did. St- uh, generously borrow uh, from other recaps on the internet. Uh, so this one, uh, a lot of this comes from tvtropes.org. So it's for nuclear family, n- n- nuclear family values. All right, you ready? There's an attack on the Hudson Nuclear Power Plant. Unfortunately, all the heavy hitters of the Justice League are busy or too far away to help. So Batman reluctantly takes the help of a new hero. Batman says, he's a teenager and he talks to himself a lot. And his name is Firestorm. So that, that's who it is. It's our teen hero, and he's eager to get into action and use his brand new spanking catchphrase, which is "The heat is on." And there's this great little musical cue that plays every time he says it. Like he had a little sting. Yeah. Fasten your seatbelt, Professor Stein, because the heat is on. The heat is what? The heat is on. Woo! Yeah, that's our new superhero catchphrase. Pretty cool, huh? What's not cool is this power plant. I love it. So then we immediately go to a flashback where Firestorm's reminiscing about a, a moment uh, since – because they're going to the same power plant where that's actually the power plant where Firestorm was created. When these plutonium thieves broke in and set off some grenades near the power core, fusing Professor Martin Stein in high school junior Ronnie Raymond, who was there on a field trip, fused them together to form Firestorm. So we come back to the present, and the threat on the uh, on the uh, Hudson Nuclear Power Plant turns out to be a group of androids programmed to act like these idolized family unit from the 1950s. This even got really fun music from the 1950s and furniture and stuff. And they call themselves the Nuclear Family. Then we go into flashback number two. Uh, it turns out that they were meant to illustrate the horrors of atomic power that could be visited upon mankind, where they set off a bomb out in the desert, and you see what would happen to a family. But it turns out they survived. They were built too well, and they went on the run. So back to modern day, the nuclear family introduces themselves as dad, his wife, mom, the kids Biff, Sis, and Brat, and dog. And as a result of this accident, they now find comfort in atomic fallout. So they plan to melt down the Hudson power plant so they can make it a happy home, even though it's going to turn the whole area around them for miles and miles and miles into a radioactive wasteland. So Firestorm allows them to go on for a bit. They sort of find some kinship in their shared uh, nuclear backgrounds, and then a huge battle ensues. And it goes on for quite a while, and it's Firestorm versus the nuclear family. And when all is said and done, Firestorm defeats them, and he comes up with a solution that he allows the nuclear family to live in peace. He's created their own teeny tiny little fallout zone under a dome that's small enough that he can hold, sort of like a bottle city of Candor sort of thing. And they go back to – the family goes back to acting like regular people again. And Firestorm, he has saved the day and without really having to destroy the android. 
asteroids. Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman all arrive, and they announce that they watched Firestorm towards the end, and they were impressed. And even Batman uh, was impressed, and he kind of gives them the so-so gesture. They offer him membership in the Justice League, and Firestorm enthusiastic, enthusiastically celebrates with Professor Martin Stein. They're like, give me a high five! Oh, wait, no, uh, headbutt! Because <laughs> he's just a floating head. So, that was Nuclear Family Values. Uh, Rob, was that the first one you watched? This is the first full episode I've watched, yes. Okay. What did you think of it? I loved it. I thought it was gr- I, it was just great. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I took so long to dig this out. Maybe because I heard that Aquaman is not in it at all. And so I was like, right. oh, I want to see Aquaman. But uh, I, uh, <laughs> it's my imitation of myself. Uh, no, but no, I just thought this was terrific. It really is. To me, it is, it, it is a fitting uh, next iteration of Justice League Unlimited. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. think, I think the Justice League cartoon by Tim and the, the guys is – the best iteration of you know those characters, and to me, their most purest form. And I think this is a, a really nice. It's a little more kitty centric, yeah. but that's fine. I love the designs. I think the the uh, the voice acting is great. I love the slight changes they made to Firestorm. I like those flounced boots that he's got. I think that looks great. I think it's genuinely funny. I like the look. I like to give Wonder Woman has all the you know Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman all have slightly developed. You know, they they kind of have new Fifty Two costumes a little bit, but it's more, but it's also sort of classicky looking. I loved well, everything of, about sort it. Of like, sort of like theatrical version almost too. In yeah, some ways. I just thought it was terrific, and it had some real heart. I love that uh, Firestorm shows mercy on the nuclear family by what he does yep. at the end. I think that's great. I, I I I was shocked how much I enjoyed this. I just thought this is just everything I would want it to be. It's just super fun. I mean, how can you dislike any cartoon that has space cabbie in the opening credits? <laughs> I know, I know. And he's great, by the way. You need to dig up those episodes too. Oh my gosh, it's so good. So, all right, different, uh, for, this was the first one I saw as well. Uh, and I, and I saw it, you know, months ago when it first aired and I was like, okay, I enjoy that quite a bit. I loved Firestorm. I thought Firestorm from beginning to end was absolutely perfect. Again, this is my ideal Firestorm. It is the best iteration outside of those first few issues of Fury of Firestorm ever. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, the the cartoon episode itself, I had some issues with. And I realize now, uh, I think my issues simply come from the fact that this was early in their production schedule. This is one of the first episodes. I think they were still kind of finding their way. Because I had some issues with like the pacing. Like, you know, it's... You have two different flashbacks in the episode, which kind of slow it down a little bit. They're necessary. At least the one explaining Firestorm's origin is necessary, definitely. But it still sort of slows it down. The fight at the end went on way too long. And even though I've watched it probably five or six times now, I still feel like the fight at the end goes on way too long, and I get kind of bored. Whereas now, as I watch the later episodes, I find they break up the scenes more. They give you different stuff rather than a prolonged five-minute fight. Um, you know, they, they talk about how all these heroes can't get to the atomic power plant because it's going to melt down in 10 minutes. Well, Firestorm gets knocked out, and apparently he's been unconscious for hours. You know, uh, well, if he's been asleep for hours, how come Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman hadn't shown up to save the day yet? So there's there's some problems with that. But stepping away from that, again, the origin, I loved how the animation actually changes during the origin. It becomes mu- much more simplistic. Oh, I love it. It looked like Powerpuff Girls or something. Yes. I thought it was super cool, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. It, it looks like the opening of Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. You know, because the opening of Powerpuff Girls even has a different kind of animation. It's exactly what it looks like. They kind of like. look Thank like um, color forms, where it's like they're just still images being slid across the screen. I thought, yeah. I thought it was terrific, yeah. I love that. The humor. Okay, so obviously the heat is on thing is freaking hysterical. Like the best moment of that is when he keeps saying it and then he goes on, he's telling their origin and he goes, and now the heat is – no, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really going to say it. But really that would be the perfect time to use it. It really would. <laughs> it's just 
cracked me up. And it's the, the delivery. The guy is so good at sounding like a teenager. Um, and, and I'm going to save some comments for the very end, but because the last cartoon is even the best of that. But uh, and then the dialogue, like when he's dealing with a pop or dad or whatever, and he keeps calling Firestorm Sparky. He's like, "Can I call you Sparky?" Firestorm's like, "No." He goes, "Okay, Sparky." And it just <laughs> just cracks me up. So loved it. A lot of fun. Uh, and, and it just gets better from there. So why don't we go ahead and move on to the next one? All right, the next one is called Field Trip, and uh, I did borrow the, the the recap from the internet here as well, and I'm a horrible person. I didn't write down the website I took it from, so I'm sorry about that. So here we go. It goes in. Uh, here's the recap. It says, we start right in the action. General Zod and his two cronies have escaped the Phantom Zone and are storming through the Fortress of Solitude, right? And hot are their tale- tales are Firestorm, Stargirl, and Blue Beetle. Now, these heroes, you know, they're unseasoned. They're teenagers, right? And the Kryptonians have a distinct advantage. They haven't been in the sun yet, so they don't uh, have their powers. However, they have these futuristic weapons and military training. So as the kids hunker down, trying to stay out of the line of fire, they kind of remember how this happened. We get another flashback. Which is fine, because we started in the middle of action for this one. So as Superman is giving a, a tour to the teenagers, he's giving a tour to you know, Stargirl, Blue Beetle, and Firestorm, other Fortress of Solitude, well, a series of unfortunate events transpire. First, Stargirl sees a fluffy space kitty in Superman's space. Uh, she starts carrying around the space kitty, then jumps on the Phantom Zone projector, which unfortunately traps Superman in an alternate dimension. Same, right immediately after that, Firestorm decides that he alone can fix it, and he ends up freeing General Zod and his cronies. And then Blue Beetle takes it even a step further and ends up destroying the control panel, leaving Superman trapped in there and leaving the Kryptonians out here in the Fortress of Solitude. So all of them have sort of screwed up. And the way they, the way that sort of unfolds is really funny because they all keep blaming each other. So uh, during all this, uh, during all the reminiscing, the villains have snuck off. And the kids rush to the security room to try and find them, and they manage to seal the bad guys into a room, except, uh-oh, it's the armory. And the villains are now fully armed with these enormous guns, and the heroes start to panic. After a hilarious exchange about Firestorm's powers, where they say they don't un- really understand his powers, and they call it nuclear magic, which is hilarious, uh, they determine that if Firestorm can synthesize some kryptonite, they can stop the Kryptonian villains. It's a pretty good idea. The problem is Firestorm has no idea idea how to replicate kryptonite. He can create any substance, but he has to know the molecular structure, and he's never even been around kryptonite to hold it, you know, to figure it out. Before they can figure out their next step, the villains burst into the room, and the kids are in a full-on fight-or-flight mode now. They're trying to get out and take down the Kryptonians in any way they can, and it's not working well, despite their best efforts. The teens manage to stumble across a room full of kryptonite chunks. Unfortunately, these small pieces, uh, they don't really have any effect on Zod. They're too tiny. So the foes, uh, the, the bad guys end up blasting a hole in an exterior wall, granting them escape from the Fortress of Solitude, and granting them access to the rays of Earth's yellow sun. Uh-oh, the bad guys have got themselves some superpowers. So the heroes uh, unbury themselves, and Firestorm reveals their last hope. He managed to hang on to a little piece of kryptonite, and he can study it and learn how to make more. Now what follows is this sort of internal monologue of Firestorm and the professor studying the molecular composition of kryptonite. And it's just whizzing by, and it's way too much information for him to process. And one website I saw sort of refers to it, to it as uh, sort of like Donald Duck in the Math Magic Land-style educational video, if you remember that at all. So meanwhile, uh, these other two kids, uh, meaning Stargirl and Blue Beetle, they're fighting a delaying action against Zod and his team. Uh, but thankfully, they don't have to do it for too long because Firestorm shows up with kryptonite just flowing out of his hands. He turns the whole ice flow into kryptonite, and the, and the bad guys are stopped. Our teen heroes manage to capture the Kryptonians. Firestorm repairs the Phantom Zone projector because he's awesome. And Superman is freed from the Phantom Zone, and the villains are returned to the prison. And the teenagers now have to clean up the Fortress of Solitude. So, what would you think of this one, buddy? 
I thought I, I'm going to be very repetitive in this episode. Uh, I thought it was great. It was just really fun. I like Superman giving the younger heroes a tour. I love um, how Stargirl's pupils are massively huge. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, I think they're cute. Over she's a kitty. I thought that was really cute. I mean, it really is Superman's fault that the Phantom Zone controls are so easily tripped because all it takes is a cat to jump on it and that sucks Superman in. I love the gag that when Superman gets sucked into the Phantom Zone you see his face smooshed up against it like it's a windshield. Like mm-hmm. his, his cheek is like you go, you go back to his like the squeak, squeak, squeak as he gets moved off. <laughs> I love the gag with Blue Beetle shoving the piece of kryptonite in the uh, Phantom Zone villains like you think it's going to do anything to them and they're just like, yeah. And he's like, ha-ha! And they're just standing there. I hope you had fun, because this is the last time you're setting foot on our planet. All thanks to a little something we like to call Kryptonite. Kryptonite. That was great. It's a really fun. It's it's everything I it's everything I want out of these cartoons. It takes all the fun stuff of the DCU from the stuff that I remember, the age you know, the seventies and eighties, but kind of mixes it in with new stuff. I don't know. I just think it's I just think it's really utterly charming. It was really really cool. I, I yeah. and I liked it that that you know the, like Superman gets pushed aside for these three heroes to take the center stage. I think that's great. It's super fun. I love the characterization you mentioned. Like, Stargirl is – she's so cute. She's just totally adorable. You can't help but sort of fall for her. In fact, there was a previous one of those shorts, like three-minute shorts, where Firestorm is hitting on Stargirl the whole time. So there is a bit of chemistry between them. So Firestorm – what you don't see there unless you know that is Firestorm's trying to impress her through this whole thing too. And uh, I, I do like when, when they're first taking the tour of the of the place, you know, Superman's walking along with Blue Beetle and Stargirl and Firestorm is just zipping along like a like a pinball mm-hmm. looking at everything. He can't get enough. He's so like uh, it's like he has ADHD. You know, he just he's so excited. He's just got to look at everything. And I just love that. It's a perfect representation of him. And uh, when, when they're battling the Kryptonians, there's some good usage of his power. Because, you know, I always love my fun transmutation things. There's some subtle uses here. Like one point when he flies out just as Stargirl blasts, and he ends up catching the, Firestorm catches the brunt of Stargirl's blast. He goes flying across the room and slams into a wall or a panel or something. And if you're not paying attention, you don't notice, he actually transmutes it into a bunch of pillows. Yes, yes. He falls and tumbles all over these pillows. They don't make a big deal about it. They don't hang a lantern on it. So it's really a nice sort of subtle thing. Like if you're you're paying attention, you're like, ah, that's great. Perfect transmutation. I dig that. I like how his legs flop over his head in a way that really couldn't be done physically. (laughs) He looks like a Daffy Duck almost. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, calling his powers nuclear magic was hilarious. And his reaction, too, because he's like, blah, blah, blah. What? Did you just say nuclear magic? <laughs> it's just, he's so offended that they don't understand how his powers work. Even He's like, I'm not Shazam. <laughs> so that was great. Now, the only downside, downside of this cartoon, I feel like, is Blue Beetle didn't really serve a function in this thing. Like, he did a bunch, but it was super generic. It really could have been anybody. So I, I feel like I'm glad they put Blue Beetle in there. I love Jaime Reyes, but I just feel like they could have done more with him or given him more personality. You know, he was just basically a shield the whole time. He would form a shield and would get attacked. He'd form a shield and get attacked. He'd form a shield and get attacked. So I wish that he had a little more to do. But other than that, super fun episode. I love seeing the teen heroes together, trying to form a team. And, and, they, and the way they talk and the way they interact is hilarious. Yeah, that was great. Oh, and I, I did mention this in the first episode as a carryover. I like the visual that whenever we see Martin Stein, 
he's got an atomic symbol behind his head. I oh think yeah, that's a nice. That's a nice little touch. Now Stein looks a little different. Um, he doesn't look like any Stein we've seen before. He's actually portly. You know, he's overweight, and you can see like his double chin. And then later on, when we see Stein, he's got a gut to him, which is a little unusual. Uh, but you know what? I think it's just as valid a representation. You know, it's it, it's good to see other body types. So, in fact, this next episode is all about Professor Stein. I. Oh, by the way, the pacing issues were completely fixed with Field Day. They they knew how to chop the scenes and not drag anything out, and things kept changing, and it just it it was seamless. So the pacing was definitely beautiful there. All right, this next one, I love this one so much because Professor Stein. If those of you who are new to the, newer to the show, Professor Stein's my favorite part of the Firestorm Matrix, and uh, this one's all all about him. It's called the Cube Root. Now I did borrow, borrow a lot of uh, this description from TVTropes.org. Anyway, uh, Firestorm is attending the opening of a new science building in Metropolis University, with Professor Stein being eager to see who the guest of honor is. To Professor Stein's floating head dismay, the guest of honor turns out to be none other than Dr. Michael Holt, aka Mr. Terrific, who is quick to show off his technologically advanced T-spheres and dedicate the building as the Mr. Terrific Research Center. While the gathered audience and, and Ronnie Raymond are in awe of her Mr. Terrific, Stein is all too vocal in his revulsion for the ingenious superhero and bitterly demands that he and Ronnie leave. When Ronnie inquires about Stein's sudden change in attitude, Stein begins to explain that he and Michael Holt were actually college roommates during the time when Stein was a grad student and Michael Holt was a 14-year-old child prodigy. So they actually were lived together during these age and, and they learned to hate each other, really. Uh, before I can explain much further, the ceremony is interrupted by the supervillain, The Calculator, who uses his suit's technology to hack Mr. Terrific's T-spheres and sets them loose on the crowd. Though Terrific and Firestorm are able to prevent any civilian casualties, they are unable to stop The Calculator from escaping by flying away on the hijacked T-spheres. The two heroes summarily agree to work together to stop The Calculator, though Stein is not at all happy about this arrangement. Now, during the battle with The Calculator, Firestorm is split apart into the Ronnie Raymond and Professor Stein, the two separate beings. Ronnie is captured by the calculator, while the remainder of the episode is sort of a buddy cop story between Mr. Terrific and Professor Stein. He's actually the protagonist. They bicker about everything, including Mr. Terrific's T-spheres versus what Martin had designed in the old days called the S-cubes. And we discover along the way that Mr. Terrific's personality, his you know his confidence, his ego, all of this, is in many ways a response to living with Professor Stein. According to uh, Michael Holt, he said Stein was the smartest kid on campus and was constantly putting down Michael Holt. So as a result, Mr. Terrific worked harder and developed sort of an overinflated ego to compensate. In the end, their teamwork ends up saving the day. They defeat the calculator. There's some great scenes with Fires running and, and the professor joining up. And, and the punchline sort of at the end is that Martin Stein makes a terrible roommate for both Mr. Terrific back in college and Ronnie Raymond sharing his headspace now. All right. This one was different because it was Stein being the focus. What, what did you think about this one? I, once again, you know, I thought it was – Broken record, I just, Kelly. Yeah, I just thought it was really great. I love that they cast Hannibal Burris. As Mr. Terrific, I think that's really interesting. So where um, do you know him from? Because I, I recognize his voice. I looked him up on, on IMDb. I, I, I couldn't really place him. No, he's a very funny comedian. He's on um, Broad City, which is a show on uh, Comedy Central. I like him on that. He is the um, he's the gym teacher in um, Spider-Man Homecoming. I don't know if you oh. see that. Did oh, you, the one who's like playing the videos and he says yes. about Captain America. Yeah, he's the one. Yeah, he's the one who was the line about this. Captain America. I think he's a war criminal now or something. He's that guy. <laughs> Hannibal Barris is very, very funny. So I, and I, I thought that was funny that they cast him in a very sort of atypical role because Hannibal Barris tends to play 
kind of like schlubby guys a little bit. And I like hear that they cast him against type. I cannot believe they even got away with the gag of where uh, Mr. Terrific is in front of the crowd and he does like dick. You know, finger gesture out to, and the yeah. one girl starts to unbutton her top. I thought that was such a great game. And the other girl, like, like, stop it. I couldn't believe they got they did that joke. I thought it was great. Well, it was really I read that funny. as the one girl swooning, and the other girl's like, no, he's mine. Yeah, no, that's right. Exactly. That's okay. All right. I mean. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one girl's like stopping the other girl because, yeah, she's like, hey, don't, yeah, you know, he's mine. I, I just, I love that they got away with that because it's, it's the kind of joke that a little kid is not going to get. But right. if you're a little older, like us, you laugh at it because you know exactly what it is. I thought it was great. I'm, I'm so impressed by this show. I, I just, this show does not get enough attention, and I'm, I'm ashamed that we have not covered it at all to this point. Because I just, this is something where I would, I want to watch this every week or whenever it, it, it airs all the time. Because I just think it's, it's just terrific. No pun intended. Ah, that's going to say. Now, the calculator, uh, I, I got the actor's name here, um, was Eli Henry. Now, I will say, I, one of my notes was that both uh, Mr. Terrific and the calculator have very unusual voices. They're not your usual polished, clean sort of voice actor sort of thing. And, and you mentioned the other guy plays a schlub normally. And Mr. Terrific, he, I could almost see that based on his voice. You know, his voice is not the perfectly enunciating hero. He's got the punches in, in his delivery, but it's, it's a different voice. And the calculator's voice is just, like, annoying. I'm going to be sick. What is up with you? <sighs> we were roommates in college. I was a grad student, and he was a 14-year-old prodigy. A 14-year-old scheming, conniving prodigy. Woohoo! Yeah! I'm sorry, what was that? It will mean a whole new world for everyone. But mostly for me. Huh? Oh, I recognize you. Calculator. I've been sitting on the sidelines, crunching numbers for too long. Now it's time to play ball. Uh, and I, it, but it's per, It's not in a bad way. It fits the story. It works well. But he's got this like annoying voice, the kind of guy like you wouldn't want to hang out with. I was sure it was that guy from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who was always in, uh, also in like Bad Bosses or whatever. But it oh, turned, Charlie Day, yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know his voice kind of grates on people's nerves. That's kind of what the calculator sounds like, but it works for the character because he's an annoying guy. Um, let's see, I've got lots of notes on this one. Uh, I love how Ronnie is enthralled uh, with Michael Holt. He just he's got a total starstruck. Meanwhile, Professor Stein is just sitting there complaining and he's angry and he's sort of sharing his pain. We pan back and Ronnie's totally ignoring him and actually applauding Mister Terrific. <laughs> it's just so funny, and the, and the way Mister Terrific rides around on those T spheres. Wow, that just gave me a really new perspective on that character. Because, you know, I'm very familiar with him in JSA. I read him in JSA, and the Tears of Fears was always doing stuff. But, like, the way he uses them to basically fly is really cool. I mean, it's really expertly done. I was really impressed with that. Uh, what else? Let's see. The, okay, Stein being the, the center of focus of the episode made me so happy. Because, like, there's, there's scenes in it where Stein is complaining about Michael Holt, and Firestorm is sort of translating. Because Michael Holt knows Professor Stein's in there, but he's talking to Ronnie, and Ronnie's talking to the professor. So Ronnie's stuck in the middle. So Ronnie's sort of translating what the professor says. And the professor's like, I didn't say that. And uh, it was quite funny, quite humorous. There's some fun transmutation. He creates packing peanuts, which was funny. I like that. 
oh gosh, the, the, the dialogue was really sharp. Like the guys who wrote this script, really sharp, really great dialogue. Like the whole cubes versus the spheres thing, the way they deliver that dialogue where, you know, Ronnie's like, what is a cube? And, and immediately Michael Holt's jumping in like, oh, don't start with the cubes again. And it just, it's so sharp in the way it's done. It really impressed me. And Ronnie's got some great lines when he's tied up by the calculator and he's just, he's being Mr. Handsome guy and he's going on about, you know, I couldn't be a bad guy. Look, look how pretty I am. And, you know, and he says, tell you what, I'm going to go home. I'm going to stop and get you a latte. <laughs> I'm get you a latte, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cracked my butt up. Now, I do think there was a nod to uh, D-Clot in here. D-Clot is the, the uh, Paul Hicks trademarked uh, anagram for DC Legends tomorrow. Because at one point, when Stein first shows up, Michael Holt looks at him and goes, man, you got old. And he goes, look at all your gray hair. And in the D-Clot show, Jax, who plays the one half of Firestorm, calls Professor Stein gray. That's his nickname. Professor Stein is gray. So I got to wonder if that wasn't a purposeful nod to D-Clot, which is, you know, it's nice. They should represent, you know. Uh, seeing Professor Stein actually as one of the heroes taking action. I mean, he was an action hero, man. He crashed the 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 thing, the ship into the building. He's throwing rocks at the calculator. He leaps off that giant thing to to, to catch up with Ronnie. It was awesome. It was really really great. I, I always impressed when Professor Stein gets to to take the center role, which is so rare. It makes me very happy. I'm over the moon about this episode. I've watched this one, even though I saw it for the first time last week. I've probably watched it four times uh, in the last week. I just love it so much. It makes sense that you would do an episode where Martin Stein plays in it more heavily because relatively Stephen Tobolowsky is one of the bigger names they're getting. Okay. I mean, he's got a lot of credits, and I think if you get him in there, you, you, you know, you probably have him in there for the same amount of time, and you're paying him probably the same rate. So why not get him more to do because you know he's capable of a lot. So, yeah, it, it was fun to give Martin Stein such a, such a big role. Well, I have to say, if you're a Firestorm fan, and for whatever reason, if you could only watch one episode of Justice League action, uh, I would suggest this be the one, because it's just so perfect for Firestorm fans. And then lastly, the last one we want to cover isn't a full episode. Remember I mentioned they're all 11 minutes, right? Well, they also did something very smart, uh, because all those are like behind, a, I guess you could say, a paywall with your cable provider or the DVD or iTunes, whatever. They also released some three-minute shorts that they made free and available on YouTube, which are like a perfect taste test, really. They've done a number of them. Uh, Firestorm's in two of them. One's called Chemistry, which is the one where he's flirting with Stargirl. And the other one is called True Colors, which is freaking hysterical. So here we go. Uh, this this recap was loosely based on something I got from bleedingcool.com. So it's a two minute or two to three minute story, and it's Superman it starts off with Superman in a fight with Metallo, where the villain opens his chest compartment to reveal green kryptonite uh, and, and blasts Superman with it. And you know Superman's of course you know he's weak and he's on the ground. Firestorm arrives, and Doctor Martin Stein tells Ronnie to quickly turn the dangerous mineral into lead. Ronnie doesn't quite remember the molecular compound and turns it accidentally into red kryptonite, which induces Superman into a rage. Now, his second attempt is he transforms the red kryptonite into gold kryptonite, which causes Superman to have super amnesia. Then he tries again and transforms it into black kryptonite, which splits Superman into two bodies with opposite personalities, and they immediately begin fighting. Then he turns it into pink kryptonite, which changes Superman into Superwoman. And Superman, or Superwoman's response is, I can work with this, and then proceeds to kick the crap out of Metallo. Uh, Ronnie then remembers where he wrote the formula down on his shirt sleeve uh, or under, on his, his, his cuff, and he turns the kryptonite into lead, making Metallo pass out and turn Superman back into his old self. And Superman ends it with, let's not tell Batman about this. <laughs> All right. Uh, I know you're going to say it was lovable and adorable and fun and cute, but what else do you have to say about it? I like uh, that it 
assumes the audience is familiar with the whole notion of what different color kryptonite can do. Okay. Uh, you know, I sort of like that. It's like they know that most of the audience is going to understand that. Oh, gold. Like, I think if you've never heard of it, you might be like, well, well what difference does it make? What color kryptonite? But if you're in anywhere, a, a comic book fan, you're like, oh, here it comes. You know, because you know it's going to do all this crazy crap to Superman. So, but I, but as a kid, I think you just accept that. But if you're older and you're familiar with this stuff, you're like, oh, it's it's almost like a, you know, they're 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 telegraphing the joke because you know that you know all kinds of chaos is going to happen because he doesn't know. And I, yeah, I think it's a great idea doing these little shorts. It doesn't overextend its you know its stay. You know, you kind of get all the the gist of it super fast. It was, it, yeah, it's re- really very very charming. Now I will say right out of the bat. The first one of you that leaves a comment in the comment thread kvetching about the kryptonite colors not matching the ones in the comic. Like, yes, I know gold kryptonite steals powers forever, guys. The first one of you that puts all this crap in the comments and complains, you're unfriended. It's just done because this is for fun. That's what this is. It's for absolute fun, and it's an absolute hoot. Uh, when, when he creates the pink kryptonite <laughs> – and I don't know. I didn't notice this till like the second or third time I watched. In the background, as he's transforming into a woman, there are rainbows and sparkles and stars, <laughs> and it's like noise. I mean, it's so stereotypical. But the beauty of that is Superman is not phased for a second. He's like, I can work with this, yeah. and just beats the crap out of him. And it's, I almost feel like they're kind of making a statement because we're we're living in a world. I don't mean to get political here, folks, and I'm not, I, I'm not going to get on a soapbox. But we're living in a world right now where there's a lot of high tension and a lot of feelings about diversity and about women's rights and men's rights and black rights and white rights and things like that. And the fact that this came out in a time when there's all these allegations about sexual misconduct in Hollywood, and this came out saying, yeah, a woman can do what a man can do. No problem. Maybe it was a statement. Maybe it wasn't, but I absolutely loved it. And I just think it was that it was a perfect timing for this for me. And for all I know, this actually came out six months ago, and I just saw it this week. I have no idea. <laughs> but that's how it happened for me. Uh, I, I love that we get Superman's angry red eyes of anger. I'm sure that Michael Bailey was thrilled with that from the Red Kryptonite. Uh, I think I interrupted you just now. Though. Were you going to say? Were you going to add something? No. What your suggestion? I, yeah. I think Superman being completely uh, okay with the idea that he's turned into a woman is somewhat of a of a reflection of a changing of society i don't think there's any doubt about that so and i yeah. thought that was charming and i liked the design too i thought that was and i, I like the gag at the end don't tell batman about this like, <laughs> yeah, that was great he looked a lot like lois i thought yes he did uh, yeah okay maybe it's just a black hair thing i don't know but i mean animation you're kind of limited in what people look like but uh let's see what else um oh okay the ending so this is what i want to say about the teenager this is a very very real teenager moment superman says uh let's not tell batman and firestorm says uh he's, he's completely distracted and he's on his phone and firestorm goes i'd never do that Wait a minute. What did you just say? And this is after he has hit send <laughs> right. on whatever he has filmed and put out on social media. And let me tell you, as a parent of a teenager, I get that all the time. They tell you exactly what you want to hear, and they didn't listen to what you said. <laughs> so it is. A, I, mean, I was like, oh, my God, this is such a real moment. And it's just funny delivered, and it's, it's like you said, in and out, perfect. Leave you, it leaves you wanting more. Yeah. It's, I would love to see them do – it would be fun to see that. Well, I mean, at only 11 minutes, I guess you can do this. But it would be fun to see them do, like, a anthology show with, like, you know, a 15-minute show of, like, five three-minute segments and let them get really deep into the, you know, the, the character. I mean, Space Cab. I mean, they said they're already doing Space Cabby, but that would be fun to see them do, you know, further deep in town, into the pages of Who's Who. Oh, they do. 
believe me that you you need to watch like some of the space cabbie he ends up driving around um dark side at one point <laughs> i mean there's and 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 uh also like dark side's minions this oh my gosh it's it goes deep and it's fun and i love this show and I, I haven't explored all 50 episodes i cannot wait i'm gonna dive into more of them again there's a ton of the free, if you if you don't have access to it for whatever reason go buy it or watch the freebies on uh, youtube like i said there's like 10 of them or something like that so and, and we're we were only talking about the firestorm ones it's it's an absolute blast i love this show rob said the word like 80 times in this episode it's charming that yeah. is the best word to describe this show. I did try and do a little bit of detective work and find out why Aquaman is completely absent here, but I have not been able asked to. Turn... It, asked and answered. Come on. Right there. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. He's too busy starring in a movie. Um, no, I, I have not been able to find uh, find out why. Why he's completely absent from the show. He's not mentioned. He's not anything. Um, so... Well, it, it could be just simply a matter of um... – yeah, they looked at Batman: Brave and the Bold, and they said, "Okay, who are the stars of this show?" You know, it's it's outside of Batman. It was it was uh, Aquaman. Uh, it was Red Tornado. I don't know that Red Tornado is featured heavily in this series. Um, oh, I've seen him in. I've seen I've seen Red Tornado in at least one. The Blue Beetle is in, is in several of them, but then again, he's a part of that teenager kind of thing they're trying to go for. So um, I don't know. Maybe he just got too much exposure to Batman: Brave and the Bold, and they they're afraid to mess with that. I don't know. You know what? It gave my boy Firestorm a chance to shine, and that's all that matters to me. I love it. Again, best interpretation of the character since, you know, the golden age of the character. So you got to check it out, guys. And thank you, Rob, for giving me a chance to do a Firestorm-centric episode. We don't get a chance to do this very often. No. Well, we did, we did a bunch of – when you were away a lot, we did a lot of uh, Aquaman-centric ones. So, you know, it doesn't always have to be Aquaman and Firestorm. We can, we can change it back and forth. But this was absolutely an example of finding our joy. Without a doubt. Yeah, I'm going to write more of these. This was I, this was completely delightful. I really enjoyed looking at all these episodes. And, yeah. and but I didn't mention it the first time. Bonus points for including Mike W. Barr characters in Nuclear Family. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that. How was the interpretation of them compared to the comic? Well, they, I mean, it was a different. It's slightly different, but it was the the names were all right, and the 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 um. <laughs> Basic looks were, were the same I mean, in terms of Brat, Sis. I mean, they, they were pretty close. So I'm sure Cisco is very happy that characters were ripped right from the pages of The Outsiders and put in animation. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Rob, why don't you tell the folks uh, where – there's not going to be images from this. I'm not gonna, we're not going to do an image gallery. Just go out and watch the things, guys. But uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can leave their comments and also where to find us on social media. Go to fireandwaterpodcast.com, and you can find us on Twitter, of course, under various Twitter handles, but the main one is FW Podcasts. And in this case, feel free to hit up Firestorm Fan as well. I mean, it is kind of themed. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, until next time, I think that's going to do it, and uh, we'll leave you with, well, should we say our normal catchphrase? Well, we'll, no, we'll go do ahead and do it. You know you want to do it. Go ahead. I just want to do it. The heat is on! Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice in sea, on land, in air. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman. Super friends forever. Yeah. Now, the Firestorm is at the bad stuff and save the day. 
The heat is on! Woo! I'm sorry, I, just, I love saying it. It's crudely put, but yes.